This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Twice a month, we bring you our series on architecture and history in and around Chicago. Things and places that make you pause and wonder, hmm, what is that building? Well, today we're going to head to the south side to a building that could be easy to overlook, but whose history is closely intertwined with the American Civil War. Here to tell us all about it is Reset's architecture sleuth, Dennis Rodkin. Welcome back, Dennis. Hi, Sasha. How are you? Doing well. Missing you here in studio, I got to say. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I couldn't come in. (laughs) That's fine. I'm glad you could join. Uh, I want you to start off by orienting us just a bit. Where is the building that we're talking about exactly? Uh, Most people would know it from going down Lakeshore Drive or the Lakefront Pass at 35th Street, where there's a bridge that was built, a beautiful bridge that was built over the uh, expressway, over Lakeshore Drive and the train tracks several years ago. You can also see it at 35th and and Lake Park. If you were coming across the bridge from the lake, what you would see on your left as you come down to 35th is the soldier's home. That that north northwest northeast corner of that building is the original soldier's home built in 1864. Oh wow! So so the building, I understand, it's currently used by the archdiocese, but the original plan for the building was a very different purpose, which you're alluding to, the the soldier's home. Very different, yes. It was, so there were these things in the Civil War called sanitary commissions, which were essentially a version of the Red Cross. Uh, And Chicago had one of the largest sanitary commissions to take care of Union soldiers. Uh, And two women, Marion Livermore and Jane Hogue, who had worked in sanitary commission hospitals in the southern end of Illinois and Missouri, were part of organizing the sanitary fair that was going to raise a raise a sanitary building, a soldier's home, for uh, the care of Union soldiers, and then after the war, the care of Union veterans. And um, they so, so there's this fair, and there's going to be an auction with you can walk past uh, portraits of General Grant, you can see pieces that were collected from the battlefield by Union soldiers, you can win a sewing machine. And they had the idea that we should get one really big gift from President Lincoln. So these two women, Mary Livermore and Jane Hogue, so they're they're basically advocating for the construction of this building. Yes, they and others. Uh, also, the head of the sanitary commission was a man named Thomas Bryan. Uh, they're they're the heads of the women's side of it, which and they're really sort of running the fair. Mm. And they're getting their inspiration from other military hospitals that they visited in the South. Right, where they've seen that sanitary conditions, improved conditions, really do contribute to the the recovery of the soldiers. But also, it's not just that they need to be better hospitals, it's that there need to be hospitals, because there was very little other than medical care out in the field. So these are being built all over the country, and um, they want to get one built in Chicago. Yeah, so these two women... I imagine they would have to raise some money, right? And a lot of money. Yeah. So they're, it's very interesting. Their goal is to raise $25,000. And we'll talk about how Ooh. they ended up raising quite a bit more. But one of the things they do, this is so audacious. They had a connection to President Lincoln. And Lincoln, of course, was from Illinois. Mm-hmm. So they write him a letter and they say, hey, how about if you give us the Emancipation Proclamation? How about if you donate? Mary Livermore had actually was uh, knew Lincoln fairly well, and she said, the, <laughs> I love this in her letter, she says, 
the most acceptable donation you could possibly make would be the original manuscript of the, Procl- uh, the Proclamation of Emancipation. This is 10 months after he's issued it. He wrote, he wow. issued it in January 1863. It's October 1863. And she's saying, we want it here in Chicago. I could learn a thing or two from from Miss Livermore. <laughs> I think that's true. Like, that, that's, that, true. that's all it takes. So, so that's how they go about getting the funds. You said that they raised more than they needed. Well, yeah. So Lincoln donates the his original handwritten manuscript, the Emancipation Proclamation, which also has some printing on it from government agencies. But it's the one he wrote out in longhand, and he sends it. Uh, in October 1863, and in November of that year, th- that man I just mentioned, Thomas Bryan, the mm-hmm. president of the Sanitary Commission, pays $3,000 for it. Uh, ultimately, the fair raises about $10,000 from the Emancipation Proclamation because not only did Bryan buy it, but they end up making engravings. And if you give a dollar or more to the sanitary fair, you get an engraving oh of the Emancipation Proclamation. So they end up, their goal was to raise $25,000. At the first fair, they raised $86,000. Ten of that is from the Emancipation Proclamation. And it has gone so well that they have another fair, and they raise another $83,000. My gosh. And they're able, yeah, so then they're able to build this soldier's home the uh, right there at 35th and Lake Park. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and if you're just tuning in, we're talking to Dennis Rodkin of Crane Chicago Business about the Cardinal Mayor Center. It's a building that was once a hospital for Civil War veterans, and it's the latest in our regular series here on Reset called What's That Building? So they get this Emancipation Proclamation for the auction. No biggie, right? Super easy. <laughs> yeah, um, no big deal. Let's just ask for the most important document from this war that's going on. Right. They raise a ridiculous amount of money back then, right? Um, the The... Proclamation is bought, but is it still around today? Unfortunately, it's not. And Ah. that is such a Chicago story. So they hang it on a wall of the soldier's home. The soldier's home, the first part of it, that part that I said you can see from the bridge, was built in 1864, but then they're adding to it. But in that main building, the, um, the Emancipation Proclamation hangs until 1868. And in 1868, they say, you know, Chicago Historical Society is building this really uh, great very safe building um, at Ontario and Dearborn. Let's give the Emancipation Proclamation to the Chicago Historical Society. Mm-hmm. They'll protect it. The Historical Society puts it in a big, heavy frame bolted to the wall. That's in 1868. And we all know what happened in 1871 in Chicago. Jeez. What do we know about how? Uh, what else do we know about how the building was used after it was constructed? Like, I mean, did it end up serving many soldiers returning from war? Well, so it's it's really interesting. It's only the soldiers' home from 1864 to 1868. It's serving veterans for a few years. I'm sorry, until 1872. It's um, uh, serving veterans of the the Civil War, and then there's less of a need for that. It's 1872. Chicago Fire has burnt an enormous swath of Chicago, Mm -hmm. not down here at 35th and Lake Park. The Emancipation Proclamation has been lost in the flames. They tried very hard to save it, but it's gone. The building that was funded by construction of the Emancipation Proclamation, again, has been serving uh, veterans. But now there's a new problem. There was a Catholic orphanage that was burned by the fire and needs a new building. 
We don't have as many veterans to serve anymore, so let's turn it so they give it to the Catholic orphanage, to the um, the Sisters of St. Joseph Carondelet. So here's this strange irony. We gave the Emancipation Proclamation to the Historical Society, believing it would be safer there, and it burns in the fire. But then we end up, our building, where the Emancipation Proclamation used to be, ends up being a place that replaces a building destroyed by the fire. There are so many layers of wow. irony there. There's so many layers. And so it's sold to this Catholic order of nuns. They turn it into the orphanage, uh, later a school for children with special needs. Right. So they're there. The, the nuns are there uh, from 1872 to 2005. Uh, it was, Ooh, as wow, you mentioned, it was a, first an orphanage, then it's a school for Children with special needs. In 2005, it closes, and um, the archdiocese takes over. And then the archdiocese has massively rehabbed the building. And I should say, when you look at the outside, you can still find that original piece. But the whole thing, all the additions over the years, have all been slathered with so much stucco that it really looks like one big block-long building. Uh, If you look at the images we have online, you can see the part to look at, the very particular window lines. But the archdiocese re, uh, rehabs the building after 2005. What they told us is there's nothing historical left inside. Oh, wow. So we didn't go in. It's now called the Cardinal Meyer Center. But it has this incredible history related to the Civil War. It's on landmarks um, uh, sites for the city. You'll read that it's the only purpose-built Civil War building remaining in the city. But more important than that, it was built with funds from selling Abraham Lincoln's own copy of the Emancipation Proclamation. Mm-hmm. So no parts of this history are, are still visible inside the building? Nothing. No. What they told us is that it's been completely rehabbed. It had been so, you know, it had been for different uses. It was a hospital. It was an orphanage. And they were making it into offices. And there was this hodgepodge of additions. So as, as we understand it, what they told us is there's just nothing inside left from, uh, well, from 1864 or the subsequent years when when additions were made. So what got you to look into this piece of history, Dennis? I'm curious. <laughs> you know what, Sasha? I answer this so many times with, I was riding my bike. <laughs> oh my um, gosh, really? <laughs> when, the, when that bridge opened several years ago, it was, it was a great new addition to the lakefront. Um, and that's really, even though I'm quite sure I had passed this building in previous years, because as, as you know, it's right across from the monument to Stephen Douglas, who also had a civil war role, a role in the civil war. Um, I'm sure I'd seen that building, but it, it is easy to miss. It's just covered with stucco. It's kind of a nothing or a non-entity, but you go over that bridge and you think, well, what the heck is that? And over time I found that it had this tie to the emancipation proclamation. And you, you talked to a few people. Who did you talk to first to try to piece this all together? Most of this comes from the historical record because the the archdiocese doesn't really have much of the history. But there are numerous articles. There are uh, one of the one of the ones that has the most detail is the head of the historical society in 1948, Paul Nagel, wrote a long article in the Tribune where he describes all the steps, and he actually is the one who says, you know, the. They wanted to protect the Emancipation Proclamation by giving it to the Historical Society, but that actually turned out to be a bad choice. Uh, And so most of the detail comes from there, but there are several other places I've read up on Mm -hmm. um, Jane Hogue and Mary Livermore 
And when you piece it together, when you think of the audacity of these two women saying, oh, you know, it's just the Emancipation Proclamation. Can we have it? Right. (laughs) I I was waiting for you to get to the rest of the. I was like, surely that's not literally how they got this all in their favor. Like, what? Well, their they idea just was asked? endorsed by a, a <laughs> senator from Illinois who wrote to Lincoln and said, yeah, I think you should give it to them. And they, uh, I, I think it, it's very interesting to think that there was this awareness. Again, he issues it in January. They're writing to him in October. And there's already this awareness that this is a very important document. They described it in one of their letters as these two women described it as the star of hope, the rainbow of promise. It has risen above the din and carnage of this unholy rebellion. I love your job as as a sleuth, just kind of like digging through articles, piecing things together. Does it make it challenging though? Sometimes when you have folks that aren't you aren't able to get conversations going to make sense of what you found in these articles and such. It does, but you forgot the other part, which is riding my bike. Which, yeah, <laughs> which is not a challenge. Um, yes, in this case, it was difficult. The um, I really wanted to get inside because I was hoping that there was an old wooden staircase or whatever it is. And and so we've been trying for quite a while to get access to the building. But generally, you know, a lot of this is in the printed record. I mean, finding that article by Paul Nagel really makes it possible. (laughs) So cool. Everything else is sort of bits and pieces. And then he lays it all out again in 1948. That's Dennis Rodkin with Crane Chicago Business. Thank you, Dennis. Thanks, Sasha.